Hi, Pastor Bobby Hannon here, inviting you to the broadcast today. Today's title is Toil or Work. You say, what's the difference? Toil is work plus worry. God asks you not to worry about anything. He promises to take care of anything. And no matter what you do, if you do it by God's command from his word, it's going to turn out all right. Ready to go to the word of God? Let's do it together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. I want to talk about something just for one lesson. I want to ask you, are you working for the Lord or are you toiling for the Lord? See, what's the difference? Well, the disciples toiled all night long, caught nothing. And Paul talked about his toil at times. And what is it that turns work into toil? It's worry. When you add worry to what you're doing, you are literally cutting yourself off from the blessing of God and you're operating totally in your own strength. God asks us to work for him, but we work for him by the power of the Holy Spirit. We work with him by the power of the word of God, the promises added to it. And what's even more important at times is when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he directs what we're doing and suddenly work becomes a pleasure. It's like by the end of the day, you think this was wonderful. Look at all that we got accomplished because the word gives strength, the Holy Spirit gives strength. And that's what we're in this life for. I look back at things that I tried on my own that failed and man, it got into a lot of uh, trial and trouble and, and long nights of worrying about with, if this thing's going to even come to pass. But I did it because some other person did it or I, as a pastor, did it because another church was doing it. And how much do we see out there of pastors literally running out of steam? They're just so tired and troubled. And the reason why is they're imitating other churches. It's our right to take something a church is doing, but make it your own. Wait on the Lord. Find out how you're to do it. And maybe the Lord will tell you don't do it at all, but if he does tell you to do it, he'll just simply say to you, wait till it's my showing you how to do it. And you do it because it becomes a gift to you. It becomes your direction and you accomplish the same thing, but you do it through the power of the Holy Spirit and who you are. You know, I talk to so many ministers and one of the greatest things that a minister can learn is just to be yourself because you're not the pastor down the street. You're not the famous pastor from whatever large town with a large church. You try to imitate him so you can have as many people as he does. And again, you come back to it. You think that the uh, indicator of a successful church is how large it is. It's not how large it is. It's are you doing the will of God with the people you have? And you know, the Lord's going to say to a pastor with a church of 10,000, as well as to a church of 25, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over much. And I'll just tell you this, when you find out what God wants you to do and you operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, you rest in your call, you'll come to the end of the day and oh, you might be physically tired, but you're not exhausted. You didn't toil all day long and like the disciples catch nothing. No, you did your work on what the Holy Spirit led you and guided you to do and you operate in the call that God has for you to do. Why am I bringing all this up? I have a series here called Resting Through the Storms. And this is a CD series you'll be blessed by because it really comes back to the time when the disciples did toil all night long and caught nothing. And Jesus came to them and told them how that if they'll just throw their net out on the other side, that they will be successful. And so this comes back to it again. We see the disciples were worrying, but Jesus didn't worry. Jesus didn't worry about anything. Even going to the cross, he didn't worry. He knew what was going to be on the other side. Yes, in the natural, he said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't worry about what was going to 
happen on the other side. He knew that God would take care of him. And so the same is with you. I don't care how big the situation is. I don't care how terrible it looks to you. Understand this. When you get into it, God's going to be with you and come out with you on the other side. And you're going to come out in rest. You're going to come out in faith. You're going to come out in triumph. Why am I bringing all this up? Because of what's going on in the world today. The world is falling apart rapidly around us and Christians are worrying. What are we going to do? And what Jesus was talking about, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, was don't worry about anything. He said, God will take care of you. If he takes care of birds, if he takes care of flowers, he's going to take care of you. And there's nothing that God won't do for you if you'll simply put your faith and trust in him. But what about all the wars we're seeing on? The war in Israel, what's going on with other nations threatening our own nation? Internal warfare is being predicted everywhere. We turn around and look, and you know what? We can see it. We can see it building all around us. And all of a sudden you begin to get afraid. What are we going to do? You start to worry about the future when God promised you to take care of you. The promises that God has in the word of God concerning end times is simply to bring to us faith and a lack of fear. When we look at the world, but we look at it through the word of God, we understand something. God's going to win. Jesus is going to win. The battle of Armageddon, Jesus is going to win. He's going to be the ruler of the entire world. And yes, there's seven years of hardship, extreme hardship coming on the world. That's called the tribulation. But Jesus tells us when we see these things beginning to come to pass, don't worry about it. As far as the church is concerned, we're looking forward to the rapture where we'll be in heaven for seven years going through the judgment seat of Christ. And we will be turning from the body of Christ into the bride of Christ. Then we will come back with him at the battle of Armageddon. It still comes back to this. God's going to take care of you. In the midst of war, he promised he would be with you. In the midst of famine, he promised he would be with you. In the midst of hardships, he promised he would be with you and he would help you come out on the other side. Matthew chapter 24 and verse six says this about the day we are living in today. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Wars are actually wars that's going on. Rumors of wars tell us what they believe is going to happen in our own nation, what they believe is going to happen in other places. And you can start to get worried without a war going on or ever coming to pass because of just the rumors of it. How many rumors have we heard through the years that didn't come to pass at all? And yet some people lost weight during the whole thing because they sweated off pounds because they were so concerned and so worried about what was going to happen in the future. And that's why Jesus says this verse of scripture again, Matthew 24, 6, you will hear of wars, that's hot wars, and rumors of wars, that's cold wars. He says, see that you be not troubled. You know what the word trouble means? Don't worry. Don't fall into concern and worry and shaking your hands. What am I going to do for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. I want you to notice what all the things are happening around us today have to come to pass. God foresaw it. Satan is the instigator of war. Satan is the instigator of these evils in this earth today. And all I can tell you is God said it will come to pass for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But he tells us, do not fear and do not worry. Worry cannot make or help you grow taller physically. What do you think it's going to do for you spiritually? It'll do the same thing. You cannot grow in faith. You cannot grow in your life. You cannot become a better disciple of Jesus, if you're filled with worry. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 through 30 says this, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant, they don't reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much of more value than they are? What's he saying? Man, we're thinking today, well, we have food. Man, it looks like, I mean, the latest reports tell us that one and a half percent of our nation feeds the other 98 and a half percent. 
So what God is telling us today is don't worry about where the food's going to come from. God will provide. God provided for the wilderness generation. For 40 years, they lived in a place that would not grow food and there was no water and God provided for them every day. In fact, he had a cloud that covered them by day, central air conditioning for 2 million people. And by night he had a fire that was there that warmed the whole place. And this went on for 40 years. Every morning they woke up and you know what was outside of their tents? It was manna. God rained down manna for them to eat and they ate that. Their clothes grew with them. Their their shoes grew with them. All of this, God took care of those people all that time. And God took care of their enemies. He fought their battles for them. This is the God we serve. And I can simply tell you this, is that God hasn't lost the recipe for manna. He can still make it if he has to. He'll pull a drawer open, pull that recipe out and start making manna for us again. God promised he would provide for us. Again, he said in verse 26 of Matthew 6, look at the birds of the air. They don't plant, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. Are you of not much more value than they? What does it mean by we're more valuable than a bird? Because he didn't die for birds. He died for us. Birds don't have eternal life. We have eternal life. Birds don't have a home in heaven. We have a home in heaven. And don't you think if Jesus went to the cross for us and he didn't go to the cross for birds, And if he provides for birds, won't he provide for us, what, his brothers, his sisters, and God's own children in the family of God? Verse 27 goes on to say, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his height? He silly stopped talking about spiritual truth and jumped over to a natural thing. Will worry make you grow taller? Well, that's a stupid thing to think. Well, of course not. So he goes on to say, so why are you worrying about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow without worry. Understand this, bur- lilies don't worry. They don't wake up in the morning and go, oh, how am I going to dress it? I don't know if I have any, anything to wear or not. No, it says, consider how they grow. That's without worry. They do not toil. Here's that word again. Toil means to work, but have worry attached with it. So we're talking about toil or work. Are you toiling or are you working? God wants you to work, but he doesn't want you to toil. He doesn't want you to worry. And so he's simply saying here, these flowers don't toil, nor do they spin. So they don't even work at all. Listen, if you go to work, God's going to bless you. He wants you to have a job. But look at this. God blesses flowers who don't work at all. They don't toil. They don't spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed like one of these. And believe me, Solomon had a lot of money and Solomon had the finest clothing. God says, I take a flower and dress him better than the finest of designers can make clothing. I do that for my kids. Now, if God clothes, verse 30, now if God clothes the grass of the field, which exists today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. I want you to notice here when he's talking about, will worry help you grow? The answer is no. Uh, The opposite, again, of not growing is growing physically. You grow taller through the years, but worry doesn't make you grow taller. But here's the point. He says, oh, you of little faith. What he's saying here in the spiritual world is if you worry, you cannot grow spiritually. It stops you from growing. And so he's simply saying here in this verse of scripture, do you want to continue to grow in the things of God? You have to lay worry aside. So worry doesn't make you grow physically. 
To make a team, a child in school may eat more to gain weight or lift weights to build up muscle, but he can't make himself taller. Nothing will make him taller. He's going to grow as tall as he's designed in his growth to, to grow. I've got a couple of grandkids that for a while we thought they're going to be the shortest things around. And suddenly they shot up like crazy. But you know what? They didn't eat more to do that, nor do they go out and, and try to do something to make themselves grow taller. It just started happening. But the point of it is in the spiritual world, that's exactly the opposite. He says, in the spiritual world, although you can't make yourself taller, you can keep yourself from growing. Worry and frustration adds nothing. It cannot add weight. It cannot add strength. It cannot add height. And what makes you think that your own growth will come even if you worry? In fact, you think you're going to help yourself by worrying when it doesn't help at all. When I come back, I'm going to talk to you pastors too. What makes you think you can make your church grow by worrying? You worry about the numbers that come. You worry about the people that leave. You worry about the ones coming in. Will they continue to come? The point of it is you build a church out of faith and grace, and it no longer becomes toiling. It becomes working for the Lord Jesus Christ and his blessings will come. I'll see you right after the break. March the 7th through the 9th, I'm having my minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joseph Z will be joining me and I want you to join me too, no matter what phase of ministry you're involved in. March the 7th through the 9th. Even though we know that all storms of life are only temporary, they sometimes seem like they are about to engulf us, sink us, and take us under. At this moment, the wind and waves may be raging, heaving and crashing all around you, but there is a refuge and rest in the Lord. But even if you are in the center of a storm, far from all other help, you can cast all your cares on the Lord and enter into God's supernatural rest, right there in the very middle of that storm. Join Pastor Bob Yandian as he explains what you must know and believe in order to sail through all the storms of life completely at peace and totally burden-free. To order Resting Through the Storms of Life, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
the CD series we're offering is Resting Through the Storms of Life. I know the announcer just told you about it, but I want you to copy for yourself because this 30-minute broadcast isn't going to carry you through enough. It will give you some information, but you're going to have to start studying also even more. But that's what this series is about, is learning to rest in God. And a person who rests in God doesn't mean they quit working for Him. Absolutely not. You have a rest on the inside of you, and that's what the wilderness generation failed to do. They failed to enter into God's rest. They worried about everything. They worried about their children. They worried about the food. They didn't like the taste of the food. What are we going to do? Whenever they had, there was an army coming against them, they got worried about it. When God said, I'm going to take you through and bring you to the other side, the promises of God are something we can rest on. So again, I was talking to pastors and uh, before the break came and I want to talk to pastors a little bit here too, but I want to welcome to also, if you're listening to this broadcast and watching for the first time, welcome. Glad to have you here today. And uh, if you're watching for the, you know, fifth, sixth, tenth time, welcome back. But if you're one of my partners that have been watching for some time and your heart has been joined to mine and you now lift us up monthly in prayer, but you also lift us up monthly by your giving. Thank you so much. It's by the spiritual support of the people who pray, but then also the finances you give. And I never tell you how much to give. You give as you purpose in your heart, and then God will bless you for that. By purposing in your heart, listen, that might be a lot to you. It may not be a whole lot to somebody else, but God's not looking at whether you have a lot of money or not much money. He's looking for the thought of your heart. He's looking for the intent of your heart. And the intent of your heart is that God's going to take this and multiply it many times over into Pastor Bob's ministry. So if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to my website, bobyandian.com. There's a place on there that you can become a partner with me. And thank you in advance for doing that. Pastors, again, what makes you think you can make your church grow by worrying? I took uh, our church that I pastored, my wife and I had attended there from the time it started. We remained there through the first pastor and through the second pastor. But when the second pastor left, I knew I was going to be the pastor of that church. My wife knew it too, even down to the number of days before the second pastor left and we would be taking over. She knew it came and told me in my office. And so I became the pastor of the church. And so it began to grow. And I, all I did was I just decided I was going to just preach great sermons. I didn't want to compete with anybody. I just read the passages, read books until I could get what I wanted to out of a passage of scripture. I would teach that from the pulpit and the people came like crazy. We not only had the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we also had the teaching of the word of God. And it was a church that was filled with the word, but also filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw signs, wonders, and miracles, but you know what? That's not what sustains you through the days to come. It's the importance of the word of God that sustains you. So the church began to grow and we grew from 1200. When I first took it, it was 1200. I took it in the month of May. And then by December of that year, just about seven months later, eight months later, we hit 2000. Within another year to a year and a half, we hit 3000 and the church was growing and growing. I'd, I'd walk out there amazed because I didn't try. I just did what God told me to do and the results were there. I didn't worry about a thing. I was concerned during the week about putting a sermon together, but I wanted all to fit together. I wanted the Holy Spirit to show me that. But when I got up to preach, I'd look out there and I was shocked at how many people came. I'm from Tulsa. I was born and raised there. You know, can anything good come from Tulsa? Well, I guess it was me at the time. And so again, as I was ministering, they were growing, but there came a time when another church started in Tulsa and it was across town and they had a tremendous children's program. And during a matter of a few months, we lost 800 
hundred people from our church, went from that our church to that church, and suddenly I begin to get concerned. I begin to worry. What have I done wrong? Have I done something wrong to drive these people away? Well, I didn't do anything to get them to come. I just preached the word of God, and they came there to get the word of God, and my wife had to just basically slap me around one day and say, listen, you didn't do anything to get these people to come. They left because of the children's ministry That's that this church pours itself into a children's ministry. And so the people have gone there. And it was one day, many, many, many months later, I told the pastor, I saw him and I laughed about it. I said, man, I got concerned. We lost 800 people to your church. And I said, you know, that that came because of your children's program. He had to laugh after that. He said, yeah, a lot of them that came eventually left and went someplace else. or they came back to your church. You may not know about it, but they went back. And so we had to laugh about that one. But the point of it is, it doesn't matter. Size of a church, as far as numerically, isn't what God is concerned about. He's concerned about spiritual growth, but most of all, he's concerned about a pastor that doesn't worry about anything, casts his burden on the Lord, and just basically leaves the growth of the church to the Holy Spirit, to the people hungering for the word, and you give them the word and you give them the Holy Spirit. So, Again, he that pastor even told me, he said, I've lost people from our church to your church. Another pastor in Tulsa, a good friend of mine who's now gone on to be with the Lord. We both were sitting beside each other at a prayer breakfast in Tulsa. The mayor had a prayer breakfast. We were all invited and I sat next to him. I sat next to him and said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I said, I just have something to tell you. We've lost a lot of people from our church to yours. And the reason why they go is they say, because you're just so filled with love and they just love the way that you love your people. And I said, you know, I've strained and tried to love people the same way you do. And he laughed about it, said, you know what? We've had a lot of people leave our church and it was the fact that I didn't love them enough. They wanted the word of God that you're teaching. He said, they called you one of the best teachers they've ever heard. And so we had to laugh with each other because again, it came back to it. He was fulfilling his ministry. I was fulfilling my ministry. Just wipe out the whole area of worry. Don't worry about anything. Do what you do best and let the people come and let the people go. Jesus himself turned to a group of people one day, a huge group of people that were following after him and said great multitudes followed him. And he turned around and said to them, unless you deny yourself, unless you put yourself away, he said, you cannot be my disciple. And they all begin to walk away. And so he told them that. I mean, he laid it on the line for them that following the Lord is not an easy thing to do. There's hardship in doing it. And so they deserted and left him because see, people want to follow the Lord whenever it's easy. But when difficulty comes along, they just flake off. And so they often think you're the problem because of all the concern coming in their life and the problems in their life. But God promised we would all have concerns. We would all have worries. We would all have problems come into our life, but we are not to pick up the worry of it and worry. No worry presents itself. But I can tell you this, problems come to every one of us, but worry will not bring us through it any more than uh, worry cannot add one inch to our stature. Worry cannot add any growth to any situation. In fact, it does the opposite. It causes things to fall apart. Jesus said, consider how the lilies grow. He told us what they do not do. They do not toil. There's that word again. They do not work with worry. They don't worry about anything. Children have no concern whether breakfast will be there or any needs supplied. Jesus rested and slept through the storm while the disciples worried their way across and Jesus 
Jesus had to come and still the storm for them and simply chew them out for their lack of faith. Their worry caused their faith not to grow. In fact, it diminished. Jesus adds to the church, not to our lack of doing something. All right. If we don't do anything, God doesn't add to the church, but he wants us to work, but work by the power of the word of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Then the results are no longer in our hands. They're in God's hand. When sorrow or worry is added to work, again, it becomes toil, hardship, and very little is accomplished. The disciples toiled all night long and caught nothing. Yet they let down their nets at the word of Jesus. And when they did not toil this time, but they simply worked in faith, the Lord supplied for them. And suddenly there was a catch of fish that literally almost sank the ship. Jesus told them they had little faith. They tried to worry to increase their spiritual growth. But again, worry hinders growth. It does not increase your stature. The disciples had toiled all night long and caught nothing. Sound familiar? When you add worry to what you're doing, you catch nothing. Jesus simply told them to throw their nets out on the other side. You know what? I think if they had just been listening to the Holy Spirit and praying at that time, one of the disciples might have said, you know what? I just feel led. Let's throw our nets out on the other side and see what happens. I'm sure they would have laughed at that one. But you know what? Jesus told him they understood. If you're open to the Holy Spirit, he might tell you to do some strange things. But you know what? If it comes from the Holy Spirit, why not try it? All right, you're not accomplishing anything and your worry is simply adding to your toiling and you are sweating, you're working hard, but you're getting nothing done. Paul told us he worked in grace without worry and without toil. First Corinthians 15, 10, he says, I labored more abundantly than you all. In other words, he said, I worked harder than all. You think, well, he must have worried. No, he didn't. I labored more abundantly than them all, but not I, but the grace of God abides within me. I worked by grace and not by frustration or human works. Grace simply says, let's listen to God. Let's have God add to our work. Let's have the Holy Spirit add to our work. And I'm still going to do the physical labor of the thing, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to grant me the strength and the word of God's going to give me the answer. Grace works by love, not by worrying. Grace uses God's strength and wisdom, not our own strength and wisdom. Worry helps nothing. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving during prayer rejoices for an answer which has not yet come. Faith and rest sees the answer as already done even before the work begins. You know that you know that you know by simple faith that what you're starting out and if it's in the, if it's in the will of God is going to come to pass as God has declared declared it. You don't even concern about how long it's going to take. You simply know this. If it takes a day, a week, a month, or a year, you know what? The answer is going to come. Worry sets aside the grace of God and substitutes works in its place. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we work? The same way we got saved. We got saved by simple faith. How do I work after that time? By simple faith. He goes on to say, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. But I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior by simple faith. I rested in him, trusted in him, and I became born again. How do I work after that? I rest in the Lord, I trust him, and this is the manifestation of not worrying at all. So what are you demonstrating to your friends? What are you demonstrating to your family, your fellow workers or to God? Are you showing before them faith and rest or worry and works? When people think about you, your friends, what do they think? Man, he worries all the time about his family. He worries all the time about his income. Or do you have somebody that simply says about you? No, he rests in the Lord. You know what? That guy, it seems like God just does everything for him and he seems to have no worries at all. That's exactly what God said. Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own evil. Come back to trusting in God and working for him by simple faith in what he promised he would do and he will do it. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.